welcome to the STEMness Podcast, a podcast produced at the Cohen College of Engineering at the University of Houston, aimed at celebrating trailblazing women in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. You will hear industry leaders, engineering researchers, and female faculty members at the Cullen College talk about their journeys in STEM and how their work impacts the next generation of female STEMinists. Well, welcome, Kristen, to the podcast. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, what department you're in, and a bit about your research? Thank you, Nicole. My name is Kristen Schaefer. I am a licensed professional engineer in the state of Texas. I'm also a certified teacher, but I am currently in the mechanical engineering department as a PhD candidate, and I'm doing engineering education research with Dr. Gerard Henderson, who is in the chemical engineering department. And he is a new hire, right? A new assistant professor, yes. Dr. Henderson's, does he have a lab? So that's a fun and complicated answer. We have a lab space that is currently being renovated and changed over for STEM lab type capabilities where we're hoping to be able to bring in groups of students who are in elementary, middle school, and high school and be able to do kind of hands-on activities with them here on the U of H campus. And so that's one of actually my duties as the, I'm the lab manager for the Henderson Lab. So that ties into your education research? It does, definitely. So yes, that STEM lab actually kind of ties in nicely with where I'm researching. I'm looking at middle school engineering identity being built through activities like that STEM lab, like camps, like other extracurricular and out of school outreach opportunities. In my research, focus on women in engineering. Whereas Dr. Henderson is, he's concerned primarily with black males in engineering. They also have done studies with Hispanic uh, students as well as other underrepresented minorities. Is this lab set up yet or is it in the beginning process? We're still in the beginning process. Right now, his main outreach program is SEBA, the St. Elmo Brady Academy. And that is a after-school program run at two of the local elementary schools. And right now, our lab is basically a warehouse for all of those supplies. And the undergraduate students who are involved in that as mentors currently put together their supply boxes in our STEM lab, and then they go and do the outreach directly at the elementary schools. Engineering education research, is that a common department or lab to have at other schools, or is University of Houston a special case? I'm glad you asked. There are other departments. Uh, In fact, I think Purdue likes to claim that they were the first engineering education department in 2004. But Virginia Tech, OSU, the University of Texas has a Center of Engineering Education, uh, and Clemson has an Engineering Education Department. In the future, the University of Houston will have our own Engineering Education Department once Dr. Henderson gets everything set up. Are you his only PhD student? I was his first, but now we do have a second PhD student. We have a postdoctoral fellow, and we're working on hiring our second one. And he has three undergraduate researchers. So why is it important to have enrichment programs, especially at the K through 12 level? As you're, I'm sure you're aware, the NAE, National Academy of Engineering, NSF, National Science Foundation, 
have had many different policies for diversity, equity, and inclusion, trying to increase representation in STEM from like 1980. It was the first paper that I found where they were really focused on it and trying to bring more representation into all of these fields. In 1969, engineering was 1% female bachelor degrees awarded. By 1980, it was 9% female. And for the past 20 years, the bachelor's degrees awarded to women, which is essentially my metric for female student persistence in this engineering pipeline that they like to talk about, and engineering pipeline in air quotes, right? That's been about 20% for the past 20 years. It kind of fluctuates a little bit around there, but it's pretty much a fifth of all of the degrees have been awarded to women. And some other kinds of statistics exist for the various ethnic breakdowns. Are there any studies that show girls who are exposed to these enrichment programs that they're more likely to graduate in a STEM field or get a STEM job? Yes, there are. A lot of the research, though, is only been presented in conference papers. It hasn't been peer-reviewed, which is where I'm going to be able to slide in with my niche for my dissertation and um, and for the research that I hope to do. Do you want to describe your research in a little bit more detail? Sure. My research is going to take the idea of this engineering pipeline and kind of expand it. There are some philosophical underpinnings in the literature about something called social cognitive career theory and this other thing called self-selection bias, where a girl who's interested in, you know, STEM at the age of elementary or middle school and choosing to attend like a robotics camp or the first Lego league, that she is going to be one of those people who is just naturally going to be more inclined to persist through the engineering pipeline and get her degree, her bachelor's of engineering, and then go out to practice engineering in the field. So there is some research that says that kind of thing, but I also believe that With encouragement, the women can build an engineering identity that helps them to persist through the trials and tribulations of rigorous engineering education. Because as you well know, we can't exactly let just anybody go design a bridge or (laughs) a rocket ship. We do need people who are highly skilled in the math and physical sciences and chemical sciences that are necessary for engineering to be successful. So you mentioned engineering identity. As what are the different engineering identity types? So the different types that are in the literature that I have found, because when you're talking about middle schoolers, and especially when you're talking about elementary schoolers, the idea of I want to be an engineer is not something that's very set in stone for that age range. After all, You've got your stereotypical kindergartner who wants to be a Texas Ranger in the morning, wants to be a quarterback in the afternoon, and wants to be the prima ballerina by the end of dinner. So the idea that you can start forming a career identity in students this young is is kind of silly. So what a lot of the papers are talking about is forming a science identity, a math identity. And then rarely they talk about an engineering identity. And so when we think about STEM with the science, technology, engineering, and math, obviously the M and the S are 
pretty much the focus. So especially with the presidential education initiatives, such as the No Child Left Behind Act and things like that, focusing on trying to get our student population prepped for technical and scientific and mathematical careers, those kinds of focuses have been the main idea in literature. And usually when engineering is talked about in literature, it has been with the context of inside a science class, making a project-based learning unit so that the science principle is more accessible to the students and able to be learned much more easily. An engineering identity isn't necessarily the only piece of the puzzle because just because you identify as an engineer or have a sense of belonging to the engineering profession doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to take those necessary STEM electives in high school that you're going to sign up for an engineering major in college or switch out of that major once you get through those infamous weed out courses uh, in the freshman and sophomore years. And so there's another concept called persistence, which is, yes, we've primed the pump, if you will, by having these elementary, middle school and high schoolers empowered and enabled to do the science and math that's required. But then we also have to have the pipeline that doesn't leak and gets through to the end of that pipeline. Now, there's some disagreement as to whether that end of that pipeline is at the bachelor's degree level, at the master's degree level, at the PhD level. But I think that the bachelor, at least as a minimum, is a, is a decent exit point for the pipeline. Yeah, and you can get all kinds of engineering jobs after a bachelor's degree. That's right. Half the podcasts in the past have been mm-hmm. alumna from with their bachelors in an awesome. Exactly. And honestly, with the rigorousness of the education that you get with a bachelor's degree, there's a lot of on-the-job learning that also does happen to specialize you into a particular field that can and should happen. But really, we do have a need for academics and, and PhD degrees, and certainly it would be lovely to get more diversity in those upper echelons, but it is not required for a typical engineering job. Are strong female role models necessary for the enrichment programs or to help push that engineering identity? Yes. In fact, there are a lot of different aspects that go into building an engineering identity. The participation in an enrichment program is one of them. Having a strong female role model is definitely another one of them. Another one is having parents who are interested and if they're not into science, technology, engineering, and math themselves as their careers, they're at least interested in supporting their child in their endeavors to do those kinds of things. And besides those influences on the engineering identity, the idea is that these experiences through engineering enrichment programs, especially, and through hands-on activities, that types of things that do typically occur in the outreach, but can occur in a project-based learning in a classroom. They build mastery experiences and an alignment to your own aptitude or natural ability, and they also contribute to skill development so that you can 
be empowered through something they call self-efficacy uh, or confidence in your own ability to perform successfully in a STEM field. There's also the importance of the role models in giving the value of an engineering career, being able to expose people to the knowledge of the profession, to recognize what it is that engineers do, how they make an impact on society, um, and connect you know, to the social context of, of how we work in teams and how we belong in solving some of the world's issues. What are some of the different examples of enrichment programs? An enrichment program can be a camp, an activity, an after-school program, a club, a conference, a mentorship, a challenge, a design competition, research opportunity. Basically, my definition of enrichment program is any sort of outreach opportunity for hands-on engineering that is experienced outside of that classroom school setting during the various age ranges of elementary my age focus is through middle school, 11 to 14 years old. In Texas, we typically call that junior high, but the literature calls it middle school. And basically anything that they call informal education, summer enrichment program, or outreach, vocational guidance, student development, there's all sorts of lovely little tags that they use to, to describe these kinds of programs. So do you focus on all of these? I feel like that's a pretty broad range. It is. Most of the literature, when they're talking about an enrichment program, they do an evaluation of a specific program. Basically, at the end of the week, how well did we develop this student's engineering identity? What I want to do is take a bigger look at the broader picture by asking women who have persisted in their engineering education, either by taking those classes in high school uh, for high school aged participants by enrolling in an engineering major in college for the university age participants, or by having completed that bachelor's degree and now working in an engineering field for my career aged participants. And take these three different groups of women and ask them to reflect back upon what they did in middle school and how well that helped them and identify themselves as an engineer so that they could have the necessary persistence to keep going through their engineering educational path. So if anyone who is listening, who has participated in one of these type of outreach events and is interested in participating in my research, they can click on the link that's going to be accompanying this podcast and fill in my form where I have to ask some demographic and questions about the enrichment program so that I get what's called a stratified purposeful sampling strategy, which is basically just uh, research speak for making sure I talk to all of the different people in all of the different age groups that I want to talk to. And then by filling in that form, I can then get in contact with them and invite them to be part of the study. So you're looking for women of all ages? Well, specifically, if you are between 14 and 18 years old, i.e. high school, and you're taking those optional STEM classes, or if you're between 18 and 24 years old, i.e. university, and you are an engineering major, or if you are over 22, up to five years in the workforce, having graduated with your bachelor degree, meaning that you're an early career engineering woman, then yes, I would love to hear from your experiences 
of your middle school enrichment outreach program. And then after they complete that little survey, then we have an opportunity to have two interviews with a specific guided set of questions. Of course, approved by the University of Houston's IRB, uh, which is the Institutional Review Board, which is necessary for all human subject research. So just to echo what Kristen said, if you are in high school, still in university, or you've graduated and you're in your early career at STEM job or in a graduate school, please fill out the link for the questionnaire that will be attached to the podcast. What happens after that? After they fill out that link, I do have to make sure that I get the right amount of people in each age range. I am also looking at the difference between outreach that was girl-focused, like U of H's old grade camp, and outreach that is co-ed, like a first Lego robotics type camp, where the difference in how that is to build your engineering identity as a woman. So I do have to make sure that I have that stratified purposeful sampling strategy. And so from that pre-screening questionnaire, I'll be able to sort all of these responses into groups of people to be invited to the next stage of research where we will conduct an hour-long interview over a Zoom teleconference. And then there will be a follow-up 30-minute Zoom teleconference after I've talked to everybody just to make sure that I heard what they were saying. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Nicole, for having me. To summarize, Kristen talks about the upcoming lab with Dr. Gerard Henderson and describes the persistence of an engineering identity and enrichment programs. Kristen also asks females who participated in these enrichment programs at a young age and continue to study engineering throughout the rest of their academic and or non-academic careers to fill out her pre-screening questionnaire, which is linked in the podcast details. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Steminist Podcast. Tune in next time where we'll be hearing from more amazing women in STEM. Want to listen to more podcast episodes? Check out our podcast website at www.egr.uh.edu to listen and subscribe today.